going to be on the Foxconn. And please excuse me. Um, I realized during our morning service that I, in fact, have one of those summer colds. Uh, I realized that when I started to get a bit queasy during the Heart Sutra. But that's just my karma. Or is it? Maybe it's just a wayward bacteria. Or bad luck. Or just this time of year. In fact, the theory of karma has always been quite complex. It's not always that you did something in a past life, and thus you have a cold now. There are always other factors that the Buddha proposed, such as environmental factors, sometimes just timing. I'm not sure which one this cold is due to, but here we are. And if I sneeze during Zazen, please excuse me. Karma, a big subject in Buddhism. Can you guys hear me okay? Give me a thumbs up if you can. Oh, great. It's, it, you know, it's so lovely to be talking and, and uh, have uh, faces just really just a few inches from here. I can see you guys. Uh, that's what community is all about. But the Buddhist community is a difficult place. I'm sorry to say that recently I was booted off another Buddhist form for not being Buddhist. Despite all my efforts to be polite and to say that there's room in this universe for Buddhists of all flavors, there are some folks in the Buddhist world who don't believe what I'm saying to you is Buddhist enough because I am, how to say, an open-minded agnostic on some aspects of very mechanical views of karma. And I emphasize that word agnostic because sometimes one of the things that happened on that form, it's a form called Dharma Wheel, which is a Buddhist form. I didn't realize until I got over there that Dharma Wheel is pretty much the same people who used to be at a place called Isanga. Same faces, same names. It wasn't so obvious at first. Someone had started a thread about my views on karma and some other things, saying that I was a Buddhist karma re rebirth denier. In the Buddhist world, that's a little bit like saying in Christianity that you are a creationism denier. And I went there to say that, in fact, I'm not a karma atheist or denier. I just know for a fact some things about karma and other things about karma I'm not so sure. And I think that even if the Buddha said some things about very mechanical, specific things about karma, such as if you do this, you go to this hell, 
Or if you do this, you come back as a wild fox. I don't take them literally. But I don't know, I said. Because as the old joke goes, I may be a Zen teacher, but I'm not a dead Zen teacher. I leave it be. It's not so central to my practice. My practice is right here, now. And I said that I believe that if you're a good person now, well, maybe that'll get you a good rebirth. And if you're a good person now, I don't know, maybe there is no rebirth in a future life, literal rebirth that comes from it. But the most important thing is be a good person now. So it doesn't matter. It's not so important to my practice whether there's a future literal effect from it that will bring you back as a wild fox or as a diva in some great heaven. Just live in peace and generosity and illumination now. And I also said I believe very specifically in some forms of karma. I see people create heavens and hells around them in this world for themselves and the people around them by their greed, anger, and ignorance or their openness and generosity and freedom. I've seen people through their violence, through their alcoholism, through, through their cheating, through their stealing, through their abuse of others, through their violence, create hells in this world. And I believe in that karma, I said. That I can see with my own eyes every time I open a newspaper or turn on the TV, the hells that people create. So I said, oh, I believe in karma. But I don't know about some of those specific details. Maybe the Buddha was a man of his times. If he proposed very specific systems of karma in rebirth. I don't know. There are holy men in Tibet who, in deep meditation, say they visit or encounter these realms. Maybe they're right. That's why I'm not a denier. I just say I'm a little skeptical. Well, on that Buddhist forum, that was not enough. I was accused of, quite specifically, being not a Buddhist. Violating the Dharma. A Dharmic, I think, was the, is the specific expression. Being bound to be reborn as a wild fox. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to take my chances, but you be warned. Don't be misled by me. You may end up reborn as wild foxes too. And that leads to our koan today, which is our next in the Book of Serenity, Master Pai Chang. Wild Fox, or here he's Kakujo, one's the Japanese pronunciation of Pai Chang. Pai Chang is one of the great figures in the Buddhist tradition. 
He's the fellow who said, a day without work is a day without eating. He's the fellow who created many of the rules for monastic life. At one time, and it's still in many monasteries in China, he's considered right up there with Bodhidharma. They have their pictures side by side. He's one of the greats. But here he tells, or a little story is tell, told about him. Is this story literally true? Well, there is truth in the story. All these cons, when I seek to talk about them or explain them a little bit, I want you to know again that I, the old idea that koans cannot be explained, I think, is, is a misunderstanding. That they're supposed to be just beyond all thinking about or logic. They have a logic of their own, as you're going to see. This has a logic that's very far from our ordinary think, thinking about some subjects. But they can be explained. But that doesn't mean that explaining is really the heart of the matter. It's a little bit like if you asked me how to drive a car. And I said, well, put the key in the ignition, put it in gear, push the gas, watch where you're going, stop at the red lights. Everything I said is necessary to driving a car. But the only way to learn to be a driver is to drive, as all of you drivers out there know. You don't get it out of a book. Well, everything I say today about this column is the same. It's, I think, necessary and helpful information about understanding the rules of the road. But you really have to get out there and live this koan. You have to drive the car. So with that in mind, Let's look at this famous story. It's found in many sources. It's found here in the Book of Serenity. It's found in the Mulankan. Attention! Every time Master Hakujo ascended the high seat to give a lecture, an old man was present listening to the Dharma. He would leave when the monks left, and one day he didn't leave. And Hakujo asked, uh, Who are you, guy, standing out there? The old man replied, once in the time of Kashapa Buddha, that was the Buddha before uh, Shakyamuni, so a long time ago, I lived on this mountain. And in fact, what it does to say is he was, he was a, a, an abbot of the monastery way back when. And at that time, a student asked me, does a person who has accomplished his practice fall into cause and effect? Uh, does a person who has realized great enlightenment fall into cause and effect, is bound by the laws of karma, is reborn? If you are enlightened, so isn't rebirth at an end? And I replied to him, a person who has accomplished great enlightenment, 
does not fall into cause and effect. He's free. He's no longer reborn. Thereupon I fell into having a wild fox's body for 500 lives. And I beg you, Osho, Raid Master, say something now. Give me a turning word so I can be free of cause and effect and not be reborn anymore as a fox. And Master Hakujo said, he who has, I'm reading a little into this, but he who has attained great enlightenment does not evade cause and effect. At these words, the man attained great enlightenment. And is what is implied by the rest of the story usually, because they have a funeral for this fox. It's kind of implied, and he was no longer reborn as a fox. So he got out of great enlightenment. Like so many things in Zen, this story is talking out of both sides of the great two-sided, no-sided mountain. For some, in great enlightenment, there's a realm of view so whole, so complete, that there is no birth and death except in a dream. And thus it is seen that birth and death exist here because we cut the world into pieces saying this is a beginning and this is an end. It's like the waves on the sea. Waves come, they fade back into sea. Waves come, they fade back into the sea. But the sea remains. And in great enlightenment, we taste that sea. And we see that it may have the appearance of waves coming and waves going, and new waves being reborn from those, and waves fading back, like lives coming and lives going, and causes leading to effects and causes, and those effects being causes that lead to effects. But really the sea, the unending saltiness of this boundless sea is there all along. There is really no birth and death except on that surface appearance. So some have the view that if you reach this realm of great enlightenment and you see that the surface appearance was but a dream and that you are the sea all along, that you realize that we're really never born and never die. And thus it was all an illusion. There was never any karma. This koan, by the way, doesn't say that's wrong. What this koan says is that that's wrong. Again, 
one of these great teachings, both sides out of the no-sided mouth. What I just described about there being no karma, there being no birth and death, that's a very old traditional way to say that yes, karma is a dream. There is no birth and death. And for teaching that, this old master promptly came back as a fox. So then he asked Master Pai Chang, so tell me, say something, to get me out of this predicament of being reborn as a fox, life after life. By the way, uh, he, he appeared as an old man here, but what was happening was he'd leave the temple and apparently was living on the mountain as a fox, and he had the magical power to come be an old man for a while, and then something like that. So Pai Chang said, um, oh, no. He who realizes great enlightenment still is subject to cause and effect. Don't obscure that fact. Don't think that it's really just a dream. The waves are still there. At which point, the old man, on hearing these words, attained great enlightenment and was freed from birth and death. So this koan is talking about both sides of the picture. What's the best way to explain this uh, two sides of the no-sided mouth on this koan. Well, Buddhist teachers have been wrestling with this one for a long time. You know, there are teachers who uh, rate koans and categorize them. This is very traditional. This is not something new. This is going back hundreds of years. And this is considered uh, one of the hard ones. Um, they have a list of the really hard doorways. This is was always considered one of the hard ones because it, it is hard to, to pierce this. But really, let's look at it a certain way. In Zen, yes, there is the perspective that is very vital for us to pierce. where we were never born and never died, there was no possibility of us having a cause or an effect because there's not anything else for us to affect. It's almost like saying, if I kill someone, well, that person's a dream. My separate existence is a dream. And so there's really no killing possible. How can the sea kill the sea? It's all just the great sea. There's no separate two things. To have a, a, a killing, I need to get angry and kill someone. But in this great wholeness, this great 
one beyond oneness, if you don't even have two people, how can you have a killing? Well, that is, of course, vital in Buddhism. But what this koan is saying is, it's not the whole story. Because in this world, we do good and bad things. We make our own bed and sleep in it, as the saying goes. So at the same time, that is true. Yes, there are no two people to want to kill and be killed. Oh, yes, it's true. There's you and me, and there's anger, and there's greed, and there's bad things we do, and the effects that are paid for those, and the hells we create. They may be here. They may literally exist somewhere. They may be a dream. And from a Buddhist perspective, they are a kind of dream. But at the same time, they are as real as real can be in that dream. We are free from karma. We are never born and never die. And at the same time, we're born and we die. And what we do with this life and the effects of our actions are up to us. And both of those perspectives, seemingly opposite or some kind of conflict, in our Buddhist practice are true at once. You are never born, you are never die, but take care of what you do with this life. From a certain way of seeing things, there are no heavens, there are no hells, everything is just what it is, so whole beyond whole, that we, it's, it's a peace that sweeps in all the goodness and the badness, all the peace and the war. That is true. And at the same time, whether you make this life chaos or you make this life uh, of your sweet, whether you create uh, a garden filled with weeds or you nurture the flowers, this is up to you. That's your karma. So that is why this, this koan, I believe, is, seems to be saying two things. When the monk said, oh no, Great enlightened people are not bound by karma. He was bound by karma. And then later when he came back and heard even a great master who has realized great enlightenment is, is bound by karma, he's freed from karma. Because it's both true at once. Now, Master Dogen, in his great genius, said it's even more subtle than that. And he, he wrote um, a couple of sections of the Shobo Genzo. When I said even more subtle, what I mean is he said, well, that's right, but really let's think of the implications of it. He wrote two sections of uh, Shobo Genzo, one earlier in his career and one towards the end. The earlier one is called Dai Shugyo, and the later one is Jinshin Inga. And uh, scholars debate whether Dogen's view 
of uh, this koan and about karma and rebirth changed between the two, that he became uh, more literalist on karma later in his career compared to earlier. I think there may be a little truth to that, but really I don't think the two sections are really, again, saying different things. They're just expressing them differently because it's still this two view, these two views of, yes, we're free of karma, and by the way, be careful with your karma. Be careful what you do. There's no you to do bad things, and there are no bad things to be done, yet you're going to pay the price if you make a mess of things. Both are true. In Daishu Shugyo, um, you know, Dogen wrote in this great, convoluted, wonderful prose, his writing style that was I described as uh, jazz, John Coltrane, taking these subjects of causality and, and twisting them up and tossing them in the air and with his wonderful wordplay. So sometimes you have to really uh, feel what Dogen was saying here. But he said, when we thoroughly investigate the great cultivation Daishugyo, we find that it is already great cause and effect. This great cause and effect is the completeness of cause and the completeness and of effect. Therefore, it is not a question of falling or not falling, or of obscuring or not obscuring. If he were to err in saying, not falling into causality, I'm just going to put these up, I think, on the uh, webpage and the forum later, uh, just so you can go through them slowly. Because this is Dogen. And what is Dogen doing? Dogen, I think, had this wonderful existential vision of saying, don't take this too simply. It's this wonderful give and take dance in which you, in this life, in this moment, are the pivot point. Like a ballerina dancing on her toes. You, what you do in this moment, is the pivot point where you realize this falling into karma and not falling into karma at once. When you realize that there is cause and there is effect and the things you do in your life are going to have effects, but at the same time, everything is just completely what it is in that second. And it's here in this pivot point. He had this great existential vision of this great interconnectedness of the universe. By the way, that's another reason I believe in karma, because karma is cause and effect. I look at this universe where every grain of sand or distant star somehow is connected to our lives, necessary to our lives. If you changed one atom of the periodic table, they just discovered the new Higgs boson. If you remove that from reality, we simply would not be here. This universe is based on cause and effect, but it's much more subtle than the scientists realize. Literally, you know, in my heart, like Dogen, I feel that we need the universe and the universe needs us to give it life. 
I see this great cause and effect. And you make the universe. The universe is this great stage. This play we're writing in this pivot point. If you write a tragedy, well, sometimes life is sad. I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that you know, you're going to you can make a life that's always going to be sunny days every day. But I mean, if you muck this up with your violence and your greed, this is the play you're writing. This is the dance you're dancing. You're literally making this play, this theater, come alive on this great stage of the universe. I believe this, that there's such a deep interconnection here that you are bringing the universe to life. Let me say it like that. And it's up to you. Are you going to do a good job, a good acting, or are you going to botch it up? Life is filled with tears and life is filled with sunshine. I'm not saying you can always make every day you know, happy. There's going to be no sadness in your life. We know that's not true. The Buddha saw that we're going to have greed, anger, and ignorance. But you have the power to muck things up, even though it is all a dream. It is your dream, and how you dream it is so much up to you. So Dogen was also saying, don't have this simple vision that if you get enlightened and you taste the sea and you realize it's all a dream and you just merge with the sea, you're free of karma. No, you're free of karma. You're just the universe man and also... You're the actor, and how you act is the pivot point of this life. You are going to make the karma that will go on and on and on, whether it's going to affect you in uh, future lives, I don't know, but it's going to affect you second after second after second and the people around you. And that those effects, like throwing a stone, in a river will carry on and carry on and carry on. We see, uh, for example, that people have done terrible acts in history in the past, and those effects carry on. Lives are scarred for generation after generation by perhaps uh, cruelties that were done years ago. The generous things that you do now will tend to have good effects. Create a pogrom. That's going to have effects that go on for generations. Find a cure for a disease. Build a hospital. That's going to have beautiful effects that will go on for generations. Generally, generally, if you do good things, it will have good effects. If you do bad things, it will have bad effects in this world. I believe that. It's obvious. Just look. In order... Now, another tricky thing that Dogen was saying here, I think, is that in order to realize we're free of karma, you basically have to live by good karma. Now, I know that sounds crazy, too, but listen, listen to this. Let's define good karma as living in a way that's pretty f much free of greed, anger, and ignorance. Ignorance means we're free of seeing the divisions and we see the wholeness. 
were free of the clutching and the yelling and the violence. If you, that's living in the good Buddhist way, an enlightened, illuminated Buddhist way. And when you live by good karma and you taste that wholeness, you're going to find the realm free of karma. So you need to live in a good way, making good karma, to taste that wholeness free of karma. And even though that realm, that whole realm, free of karma, is always there and always was, if you live in a bitter, angry, divisive, clutching, I hate you, I hate this way, oh, you're going to be blinded. You're not going to see the wholeness. So in other words, you need to live by good karma in order to find the realm free of karma. It's a catch-22. Zen Buddhism has so many of those. Be good. Whether there's a life to come or a life no to come, be good. Whether there's a one-to-one -one payoff, that if you put in a dollar of goodness, you're going to get a dollar of goodness back, I can't say. But be good. Generally, living in a good, peaceful, wholesome, caring way will have good, peaceful, caring effects. If you're violent, good chance you're going to make a war. If you're peaceful and the other teach other people to be peaceful, good chance our society is going to be peaceful. More likely. If we live good, more likely we're going to make this world a beautiful place. If we're greedy and violent, more chance that we're going to make this world a polluted place where one day we're going to blow each other up with bombs. Be good. Even though it's all a dream. Be good. So Dogen said, those guys who think you just get enlightened and escape from cause and effect, he's not so much, not so long as we're alive. You get what you sow. You reap, what is the expression from the Bible? You reap what you sow? It's generally true. You toss out seeds. Not every seed will grow. We have a garden here. I toss out seeds. Not every seed grows. Not every Vegetable grows as I plant it. But generally, when you toss out good seeds, you generally get good, rich, nu nutritious results. Be good. Generally, it's going to have good effects. So, um, that's my view of the fox koan. I may put a little more up about it on the uh, in the forum later in the our book club and and uh, as a posting. But uh, that's basically it. We are always free from 
karma, both good karma and bad karma. Birth and death are like a dream. Be good. You're always making karma. Make good karma. Shall we sit with that? <laughs>